today on CityCast Boise. If you feel like you noticed more dandelions around town this spring, you aren't wrong. Sarah Arkell from Boise Parks and Rec is here to tell us how the city has reduced their pesticide use by nearly 50% and why they're having a whole festival to celebrate this too often underappreciated weed. It's Wednesday, June 21st. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to CityCast Boise. Hi, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so perfect. So there are all kinds of festivals in Boise this summer, but this one actually really got me so excited. And it's a new one that y'all are putting on at Parks and Rec. It's our first ever Dandelion Festival. What's going down at that? Oh, man, we are so excited to do this first, our inaugural event um, to celebrate what has been and is still considered a weed in this community, um, the dandelion. On June 24th, from 11 to 4 at Casha Park, we are hosting a neighborhood or community-wide event um, where folks can learn about dandelions, learn about pollinators, listen to some great music, and also experience a very special brew that uh, Woodland Ale House is brewing for us. Uh, both a beer and a root beer, so everybody can try it, that includes dandelions in the brew process. Yeah, I have never had dandelion beer or root beer. How does it taste? Is it good? You know, I haven't tasted it either. We're going to all have a big <laughs> reveal on the 24th, <laughs> but it's novelty in and of itself. will probably bring folks out. <laughs> You said that people consider it a weed, but I honestly love dandelions. Like I did no mow May where you don't mow your yard and you let the dandelions go for pollinators, which my neighbors half appreciated, half didn't. Um, And but like you said, so many people, of course, have come to see them as weeds or pests and they spray pesticide on them on their lawns. But at Parks and Rec, I think this is so cool. You've been moving away from pesticide use. What's the goal with that exactly? You know, we try and serve everybody at the city of Boise. We want everyone to have the ability to experience parks and open spaces in a way that helps improve their well-being, connects them to nature, connects them to their community and their families. And um, we had folks asking us to create pesticide-free areas. And so in 2020, we launched a pilot program that identified parks where we could reduce pesticide use. It's not the right approach for every park, but it's definitely the right approach for a number of our neighborhood parks. And we've got a lot of positive feedback. So it's a combination of, you know, providing a a user experience that people want, and then also meeting some of our uh, healthy ecosystem goals, right? Providing pollinator habitat. We're putting pollinator gardens in a lot of our new parks and This is all based on demand from the public. And so looking at that effort holistically meant also, you know, providing habitats that are safe and healthy for pollinators. 
Let's talk a little more specifically about dandelions because I cannot overstate how much it like they're my favorite flower. I know that throws people, but they really they're my favorite flower. I don't understand why they've gotten such a bad rap. They're pretty. They you know, they grow everywhere. They last forever. But like, what are some benefits? Talk, talk up the dandelion. So people who right now are like, no, I hate those. They're weeds. I spray them. What are the benefits of keeping them in the park? Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, you're you're looking for a balance, right? Like an entire lawn area full of dandelions may not be what you want aesthetically, but it's okay to have some different types of broadleaf flowering plants. Um, it almost looks like a natural meadow, right? And these dandelions, the reason they are so noticed, I think, is because they bloom so early. Sometimes they're up before you know your grass or your turf has woken up for the season. And so they do provide an early source of food for our pollinators, and um, they bloom, you know, continuously throughout the growing season. So it's a consistent source for pollinators. I'm not a dandelion expert, and I have, I would say, probably a complicated relationship with dandelions in my <laughs> own yard. <laughs> but there is... Um, there is a way I think you can strike a balance if you're managing holistically through any, you know, other management practices rather than just pesticides. So part of it is evolving our expectations. Part of it is um, being more thoughtful about how we're managing our spaces so that we're providing healthy habitat and great experiences for folks. Um, and the dandelion is a part of it, regardless of whether or not we want it to be, you know, it's in there. <laughs> Yeah, when I used to teach beekeeping classes, I would tell people, you know, Kentucky bluegrass is a desert, basically, for pollinators. There's nothing for them to eat there. Um, and I have noticed, I was down at uh, Ann Morrison uh, yesterday, and I noticed some other changes, maybe, that you're, like, there was a lot of clover in the yard. Is this what you're talking about with this, like, broad, these other broadleaf flowers and plants? Yeah, clover is another one of the, um, quote-unquote, weeds. You know, we do have to, like I said, manage these spaces for a multitude of uses. And so if we are offering tournament play on sports fields and that sort of thing, we're going to manage that differently than we would a neighborhood park that's um, providing a grassy area for open play. So I'm down with this. I'm excited you're doing this. But is Boise down with it? Like, are people are more used to like a more manicured look in our parks, you know, that they used to have. So it's a big change for a lot of people. Are you getting complaints about the dandelions and longer grasses in the park or are people on board with it? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I think we expected to get a lot more negative feedback than we have gotten. Mm. And part of that is a very like thoughtful approach to where we we're implementing pesticide reduction and how we're managing the open the open ground or the turf areas across our city. Two thirds of the feedback that we get is positive. People are appreciative that we are taking on more um, innovative approaches towards uh, managing these places and kind of using the best available management information to make sure we're meeting all of our goals, right? You, Simplot Sports complex is going to be managed differently than, say, Casha Park. And we need to be flexible to not have a cookie cutter approach to our parks. And I think that's what's been the most positive um, outcome is that people are recognizing that we're trying to do a better job, a more informed, take a more informed approach and really look at parks as, you know, 
how do they function within this this neighborhood, within this community, and how can we manage it best for that user experience and that function? So how much has the city decreased pesticide use in park, like parks like overall? Almost half. We're about wow. 50% reduction in pesticide use. And it's had some interesting ramifications because, you know, we're, we're staying away from certain pesticides that have been known to cause issues with pollinators and um, still trying to manage these spaces so that people enjoy what they're seeing and kind of still have that park experience that they expect. So we've reduced pesticide use, but we're having to utilize pesticides that are or, or herbicides that are maybe more expensive because they're you know potentially safer. Mm. So it's been a really interesting journey. And I think the reduction is something to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about that. That's that's really great. I mean, as a as a beekeeper and also a regular park user, half is incredible. That's amazing. Um, I want to ask you about water. I mean, this year, of course, we've been so lucky to have so much rain and slow, you know, a slow build to our usual hot, hot temperatures. But we still are in the desert. Is the parks department going to stop watering the grass in the same way, too? Are you changing watering or has there already been changes in place with climate change in mind, like given how drought has become such a major issue in our region? Yes. So we have been embarked on a long-term retrofit of all of our irrigation um, to utilize surface water where we can so that we are um, recharging those aquifers and also putting in the technology that allows us to tweak water usage at the park, at the turf level. So we can waterless because we're measuring soil moisture. Oh, cool. High tech. And responding to soil moisture. So it's a combination of technology, um, retrofitting older equipment, and then also um, the water sources that we're utilizing to try and be as sustainable and as holistic as we can. And the other piece to that, Emma, is you may notice in some parks that the grass is longer. We are... um, playing around with mowing less frequently to help soil moisture retention and to help the turf that's there outcompete those weeds so that rather than spraying, the healthy turf can be more resilient to non-native or weed infestations. Mm. Um, I noticed in other cities, um, you know, you, you're talking about letting the grass grow long, which I think is so great. Um but in some cities, they just let the grass dry out at the end of summer when, you know, temperatures are so, so high and there's been no rain. Do you ever see that being a thing here? And, you know, is that something that that would work for here or are you really avoiding that? Yeah, I think that's a tough one. And I, I've talked a little bit about how we are evolving our expectations as a community with what a park site looks like. And I think that evolution is probably bending more towards identifying areas where we'll have no mow zones. So we might plant grasses that um, don't need to be mowed um, or a mix of native species that can compete with uh, weedy species. But we don't, the problem with kind of abandoning a healthy turf in the middle of the summer is that we then see weed, more and more weeds coming right. through. Yeah, that makes sense. So you you do have to kind of create an, an environment where um, you know it's tended, it's manicured. These aren't the open space reserves in the foothills. These are park sites. And we need to keep that turf health, turf healthy so that it can um, be resilient and resistant 
Well, I love this initiative and I, I'm so excited that you're doing it. I think it sounds like it's great for the bees and the bugs and uh, and the visitors to the park. Before I let you go, um, can I just make a lodge like a citizen complaint right now, right here? <laughs> go for it. It's the season. <laughs> There's a giant hole at Dog Island that is just a constant disgusting puddle and my dog gets in it every time and I would love for someone to put some dirt in that. <laughs> I will look into it. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) So much. Can I just plug a few more details on the event? Please plug away. Yeah, for sure. So this Boise Dandelion Festival is going to be a wonderful, wonderful community event. And I just want to highlight some of our partners. The things to know are there will be Stella's ice cream. There will be Zero Roots Waste Market there. So there'll be food for the kiddos. We'll have, like I said, some music. And then um, our community partners are going to provide some face painting and some educational activities. Jim Hall Foothills Learning Center will be there, Boise Urban Garden School, um, our volunteer group. So you can learn how to get plugged into other volunteer efforts that support, you know, whatever your cause might be. And then finally, the Nature Conservancy of Idaho will be there. Um, so I'm hopeful folks will show up. I think it'll be busy and fun. And um, I don't know if you've ever been to Casha Park, but it is a beautiful park. It is. It's such a perfect little neighborhood park. So, so cute. Sarah, thank you so much. And great job on the Boise Parks. All The entire Parks and Rec Service just doing an amazing job. Just thank great. You. Other than that hole at Dog Island. Right. <laughs> Speaking of weeds that have their very own festival, it's Goathead season. And the good folks at the Boise Goathead Festival want you to know that even though the parade and party aren't until August, there's still plenty of work to do before then. You can find more information on the best practices for pulling goatheads, as well as ways to track your haul and even earn rewards at BoiseGoatheadFest.com. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, check out our Hey Boise newsletter where you can find more information about festivals and events just like the Dandelion Festival. We'll be back tomorrow morning with Minerva Jane and how to beat the heat in Boise. Bye!